Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sheep Factor podcast. I am your host, Tori Ganahl. I am stoked because this is really like the first official episode that I'm integrating in my 20s, the series that we've been doing into the podcast. And this is kind of the direction that we're going to take it from here on out. If you're new around here, we've been making some changes and I've been making some changes. We've all been making some changes because that is what your 20s is all about. And basically what this all looks like is creating a space on the podcast and across our platform for women just like you to come share their stories, all of the good, bad, and the absolute ugly, embarrassing, horrible moments that we can all relate to and just experience together because your 20s don't have to be lonely. We're all walking such similar paths, whether we're 20, 30, 40, 50. And I love today's episode because it doesn't only kick off this amazing new chapter for She Factor, but it also is a beautiful representation of exactly how that journey can look and also how similar our lives and our journeys and this crazy path that we're walking can be no matter the physical distance, the age difference, whatever it might be. And speaking of major changes, I am tuning in this morning from my brand new apartment in Denver, Colorado. I am back home if you haven't tuned into the last couple episodes or you missed my big announcement on social media. I am here and you guys, my space is beautiful. I am so happy with it. I give you guys a little tour in a live I did last week. I'll link that in the show notes so you can get a little quick update on what's been going on, why I'm here. And I've also been taking a lot of time over the last two weeks to give myself space from the outside world, really be present in this moment, let myself rest, just savor this new chapter and embrace it with all that I can. But today I have a very special guest, as I said, Emma Musto. She is on the road right now, living out of a van, killing it at life. And she's 26. I'm turning 26 next week. So this is going to be a fun conversation. We're just going to dive into all things life, how she became the person she was and what her 20s have been like so far. So welcome and let's the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited. We talked a little bit before we recorded, obviously, about your van living life, but I'm excited to get there eventually. But before we do that, and before we talk about who you are and what you're currently doing right now, I want to start at the very beginning and just ask you, who was Emma, the little girl? What did she want out of life? Who did she want to be? How was she raised? Give us the gist. Yeah, so I am first generation born to immigrant parents. My parents are from Romania and I was born in Atlanta, Georgia, but I moved to Miami when I was one. So I was raised in Miami my whole life. And my mom and dad also divorced when I was born, basically. So I've actually never seen or spoken to my father. We don't have any kind of connection. It was just growing up, it was just my mom and I, single mom. And yeah, I had mentioned to you that I have kind of a weird upbringing because my mom's whole family was still in Romania and is still in Romania. And it was just my mom and I living in the States. So every summer vacation and every winter vacation that I got from school, we would fly to Romania and we would spend the entire time there with family. So before I even went to school, I think I would spend six months in Romania, six months in America, and even It was up until I was in ninth grade that we did every single summer, every single winter, we went to Romania for months at a time. So 
my whole life, basically up until I was like an early teenager, was just back and forth between the two continents, the two countries. And it was great because I speak, read and write Romanian fluently. And I got to spend time with family. And I feel like I was I was brought up with this kind of double insight on life. You know, I would go to Miami and I lived in a a really nice apartment across the street from the beach. And, you know, all my friends were really kind of wealthy and like Miami itself is honestly so different from the rest of America, even in the sense that its culture is so unique compared to everywhere else. So even to grow up in that place alone is unique. And then having the other experience of a whole nother country. It's like you got three in one, basically. Exactly. Exactly. Miami's like a melting pot. And there was so much, you know, Hispanic cultural influence and Russian cultural influence. And there's just a melting pot. Miami's definitely not like anywhere else in in Florida. And it was beautiful. And I loved it. But that back in Romania, they're not well off. So like my cousin for a very long time, growing up as a child, I would sleep over her house and she did not have plumbing. So we would go to the bathroom in an outhouse in her garden. Or if we took a bath, we would literally like boil water and her mom would like put it in this big, like kind of like tub thing. And so like that, like it's such a contrast to like coming back to Miami where my mom drives a BMW and like every, you know, we go to the mall and it's like so first world. And then I would go to Romania and just going to an outhouse Mm -hmm. and like very, very different. Not to say that all of Romania is like that, obviously, but my extended family there, that was the situation. So that was really interesting growing up. And then to add to that, my mom was also very into traveling. So we started traveling when I was six years old. And I think my first trip outside of just the Miami, Romania back and forth was to Greece when I was six years old. Since then, I've been to 52 countries. So holy cow, that is crazy. Yeah. It started getting to the point where like, you know, during the summer we would go to Romania, but because, you know, Romanians in Europe, it's so close to all the other countries. We would do like small little trips here and there. And then even during my spring break, my mom would book a trip. I did Peru one year for my spring break. And then I think I got two weeks off for I don't know what. And we did a cruise around the tip of South America. And like we've done Egypt, we've done Israel and Jordan and we've just been everywhere. So that is definitely the highlight of my childhood, I would say. Like it was the most amazing experience. And I'm so happy I got to do that. We have a lot in common, but very different. I feel like I had the United States version of what you had. My mom was entrepreneur, very successful. You know, they live in a big house in Boulder. And then you go like four hours south to the Colorado Springs. My dad's family was living in trailer parks and motels and very, very, very vast difference. Locally in Colorado, so not quite as vast as you. But with my mom's company, we were traveling all the time as well. And by the time I was, I think, 15 or 16 years old, I had been to 40 out of 50 states. So I had like the internal version of what you experienced globally. But what I was going to ask you is, you know, most people listening and most people on the outside are probably like, wow, that sounds freaking amazing. Like seeing the world from such a young age, going back and forth, seeing all these 52 countries for the time of you know, really being an adult, that's crazy. But something I experienced the very first time that I went to Europe, I did six countries in three weeks. It's exhausting taking in all of the information and the cultures and the languages. And for you, you probably didn't have much of a home base either because you were going back and forth. Like, how was that for you as a kid? Did you ever have a time period of just being over it and wanting to live in the same place for your whole life? I even had that with my friends. Like I had friends who lived in the same house for 
16 years. And I was like, I wish I could have had that. Definitely. As a kid, I definitely did not appreciate it as much as I do now. So I would get really frustrated because I would, like I said, a lot of the time my mom would even pull me out of school early and sign me into school late. So I was gone the whole summer, the whole winter break, and I never got to hang out with my friends outside of school and weekend. Mm -hmm. So I was really frustrated at one point because I told my mom, I was like, I want to spend the summer here. I want to hang out with my friends. Like all my friends over the summer get together and they're posting photos on Facebook and it's so awesome. And like, I have to get shipped off to Romania and sit in the house with my cousin. And I didn't have friends my age in Romania. I just, I just knew my cousin and my family. So it's not like, I was constantly hanging out with people my age there. So yeah, I was definitely frustrated then. And I wish that I could spend more time in in Miami. And so that's why after ninth grade, I put my foot down. And I also had a boyfriend at the time, like my first boyfriend ever. So I was like, no, I want to stay here, you know, and it was fun. But now looking back, for sure, I'm so grateful that she did take me and that we did travel and that I did get to go spend time with family. Like now it's been a long time since I've been back to Romania and I want to go ASAP. Mm-hmm. And with traveling too, like like you said, it, it can get tiring very quickly. As a kid, I felt like I didn't feel that as much because my mom was the one that just did everything. And the way we traveled too, I mean, she she would just... We would fly somewhere in Europe and we would just rent a car and just drive around in mm-hmm. the car. And my mom did it all on her own. And a lot of people think that that's really crazy and brave of her because she was a single mom doing this by herself, which is really crazy and brave. But I feel like that explains a lot of why I'm doing van life now and why I don't want to sit still in one place. Like I got so used to always seeing and doing new things and like seeing new places and being in all of these like awesome, beautiful places around the world that like now for me, the idea of settling down and like living in one place for a long period of time is so boring. (laughs) That was going to be my follow-up question because as a kid, even seeing my mom as an entrepreneur, I was so resistant to ever following that lifestyle. I was like, I lived it as a kid. I don't want to do it all over again. Like, And then here I am 25, an entrepreneur and running my own business. And we did this together. So it, I went into it kind of having the expectation, but it's ironic because it was just a life that I really never wanted. And now I'm in love with this life that I live. Like, were you ever really resistant? Was there a time, especially maybe like in your early twenties or like when you're starting to think about your life plan where you're like, Nope, I don't want to travel, like raise a family in one house and stay put. I definitely think that I was always kind of inclined to that. Like I never wanted a family in the sense of like having kids and like, even to this day, like I just don't want them. And I can't speak for myself 10 years from now, like maybe in like five to 10 years, I'll change my mind. And then I change my mind. But for now, I know for sure that that is not in my immediate future. I don't have a desire to settle down, raise a family. My dog is my child. I'm a firm believer in that. So I knew I never wanted to settle down. I, my mom is also an entrepreneur and I thought that I would just go the traditional, you go to a good college and then you get a good job and then you climb the corporate ladder and you're like some boss babe. And that's what I thought that I was going to do. And my mom encouraged that. She was like, you have to get really good grades in school and you have to go to a good college so you can get a good job and make a lot of money. And I'm like, okay, like, sure. Like that's what I'm going to do. And for a long time, that's what I thought that I would do until I actually went into the real world and got that kind of job and realized really quick. I could never do that. It's probably the same kind of 
thing where like, I, I don't want to settle down and I don't like to sit still in one place for too long. The idea of sitting in an office, like physically sitting in an office for eight hours a day for my entire life, I just could literally never do it. So, it made like, me ill. Like it literally made me sick. I <laughs> was sick all the time. I worked a corporate job for the first two years after college. And I thought the same thing. I was like, I'm going to climb the ladder. I'm ready to be, I worked for a sales company. I was like, I'm going to be the next sales manager. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be the CEO of the company. Like this is my, my following. And I hated just sitting there and like doing the same thing every single day. And I was like, I am going to go out of my mind if I have to do this for the rest of my life. I felt very similar. Like right before I quit and decided to do my own thing, I had a really good job. I was living in the Florida Keys, which is a beautiful place. Yeah. I I was working in a satellite office. So I wasn't working with my boss and I was the head of my own department. So like I really, it was a great job in terms of jobs, but that was the problem is that it was still a job and that I still had to be in the office and I would sit in the office and look out of the window and it was the most beautiful day. And I'm like, I don't want to be here. Mm -hmm. You know, I can do all of this from home. And then at the end of the day, I'm driving home. The sun's already setting. I've lost all of daylight and I have to then still go grocery shopping, go to the gym, cook dinner. And then by the time I clean up, it's time for bed because I have yep. to do it all over again the next day. And that to me, like that repetition, I just couldn't do it. Like I'm a huge advocate of change. Mm -hmm. I need constant change and stimulation because I'll go crazy. Yeah. We call that my mom who wrote the She Factor book. I think it's a commonly known term. Maybe it's not. We call that the golden handcuffs where it's a great job on paper. Like you really should be happy and like you're getting paid and you're fine and it's good. And then there's just something missing and you're not fulfilled and you're like, I can't do this anymore. Like it's just, it's not cutting it. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, I feel you. She had the same thing in pharmaceutical sales when she was in her 20s. Like I feel like in your 20s, you get caught in that societal plan that we're set up for. But before we get any further into that, I want to rewind back a little bit to maybe back to high school. I don't know. I guess timeline will depend on to you. But you said that you kind of imagined this, like going to school, getting a job, corporate ladder, whatever. Was there ever a dream for you? Like, was there ever anything that you were like, oh, there was no limitations. This is what I would do. Or was that just kind of always the plan for you was to just go the society's plan route? So I always say that if I could literally do anything, I would be a singer, but I can't sing. So I can't do that. So I love it. I can't do that. So I never actually had, I mean, I obviously as a kid, I changed my mind a lot. Like at first I wanted to be an actor and then I wanted to be a veterinarian because I was literally animals. the same person. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then I, like, I would only watch like Animal Planet and Discovery Channel and Nat Geo. So then I wanted to be like a wildlife photographer or like an archaeologist. I wanted to do all the different things, you know? And then when I got to high school, and then it was actually time. Okay, choose a major and go to school. And I was like, wait a minute, like, I don't know what I want to be for the rest of my life. Like, I have to decide now, like, this is wild. No one's even talked to me about this yet. You know, like, all I've been focusing on is getting good grades in school. No one's actually talked to me about the real world. Like, what am I supposed to do? So it was really like, I went with the flow. And I, I was really good in English. And I really liked writing. And so I was like, okay, I'll be an author. I don't think many people um, go into college being like, I'm going to be an author, honestly. <laughs> I'm going to walk you through the whole thought process. This was like 12th grade. I'm, I'm going to be an author. And then I don't know who, like my mom or my friends or even my teachers, I was talking to them and they were like, oh, but you know, authors don't really make a lot of money. But like, if you really like writing, how, why don't you be a journalist? And I was like, 
okay, I'll be a journalist. And then somebody else was like, oh, well, if you want to be a journalist, but like, you're so pretty, you should be on TV. You should be a news reporter. So I was like, okay, I'll be a news reporter. So that was the train of thought. And I went in, I went to University of Florida and I went into the journalism school and my first summer, another unique thing that I want to talk about, like just briefly is that my my last two years of high school, my 11th and 12th grade, I did a permanent dual enrollment program. So I actually didn't go to my high school anymore. I went to college, did full-time college courses, and I took three AP classes after hours at the university, wow. not even at like back at the high school. So that was really weird. So once I graduated high school, I also had my AA degree. So I actually only went to college, like to the University of Florida for two years. And then I graduated with my bachelor's. That's so, cool though. I feel like you, and I'm maybe putting words in your mouth, but I feel like the lifestyle that you were raised in kind of forces you to grow up a little bit quicker, experience a lot more of life, a lot more of different types of people and experiences. And I mean, even just like you were talking about different levels of income and, you know, economics, all the things. It was kind of just in the flow. I definitely, I hear what you're saying. That's actually really good. Like a really interesting point that you're making that I don't think I've thought about before. Definitely, I think between traveling, between having half of my family or like majority of my family in Romania, living in America, going to school and making friends in America, having family in Romania, traveling in between. I feel like it did kind of force me to grow up faster. And obviously, like with anybody, we had family trauma mm -hmm. and like family drama. And like, I like, you know, the whole thing with I've never even met my dad. And like, right. that was not a positive story between my mom and my dad. It was very traumatic for her what happened, you know, and I knew about that. She never kept that from me. So all of this makes me sort of speed it up. And now I did this dual enrollment program. So instead of having that four years in college to really try different things and make up your mind. I went into college as a junior, even though I was only 18. So I had to basically decide mm -hmm. like right then and there, like, okay, you need to you pick didn't a have major. two years to dilly dally like most people do. Exactly. Like that's exactly it. Like I, I they were, everyone was like, you need to pick a major now because you only have two years and then you graduate versus a lot of people go into college and maybe they, their majors are undeclared and then they make up their minds in the first two years. And then the last two years, they can focus on what they want to do. So I had to choose right away. And so I chose journalism. And then my summer, like in between my first and second year, I interned at Channel 7 in Miami and I absolutely hated it. <laughs> Off the bat, I just, I'm very much against news and media. I just think it's a load of BS. For me, I was a broadcast journalism major in college too. And I also did PR, broadcast journalism, and then I did an investigative reporting. It was kind of like a minor program within our journalism school. And I feel like when you learn from that end of it about media and journalism, it almost makes you hate it more. It's already bad from the outside. Yeah. And then you learn about it from the inside and you're like, this is even more effed up than everyone even thinks it is. Yes. Oh my God. I'm so happy you said that. And it's so funny. We are the same person. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Everything you say, yeah. I'm like, what? Yes, that's a hundred percent true. Like, and, and honestly, what I learned in school was nothing like what it is in the real world. Like they, they do not, I was shocked at how little the school's program would have prepared me to go work in this industry. It is 
nothing like what they said it would be. Mm-hmm. And I just, I hated it. So yeah, that was, that was my first summer. And then, so the, the next year when I went back, my program doubled, it was called telecommunications. So you could either go the news route or you can go the production route. And the production route was basically like TV and film production. Yeah. So I ended up doing that my second year. And then I was like, okay, well, I enjoy this. I think it's really creative. It's really fun. I'm going to move to LA and I'm going to work in Hollywood, you know, in TV and film production. And that's what I did after college. And I hated that as well. So I changed my mind again. And this is just proving that like, it's, there's a a lot of change is a, is a big theme in my life, (laughs) but I changed my mind and I did not like LA. And after a year and a half of working in TV and film production, that's when I moved back to the to Florida and I moved to the Florida Keys and I got a job as the director of social media at a digital marketing agency there. And that was the job that was like perfect on paper, but I just could not sit in an office. Like it just was not for me. Okay. But this is really interesting because my job that was the golden handcuffs, save with my moms, both were like completely different wheelhouses, like sales jobs, like I did recruiting and then did a complete 180 into something else, but you kind of stayed in the same realm a little bit from where, where, what you're doing now, like the social media space. What made you make the transition? Like what initiated that for you? To go into the social media job? To go from the golden handcuffs job was the next thing you did start your own business from there. The next thing I did was quit my job and go to Bali to get certified to be a yoga instructor. So that's awesome. I'm I'm missing a big part of this. So I went to LA right after I graduated and I worked in LA for a year and a half. And I didn't like not only the job, but I didn't like LA. It just was not my cup of tea. It was really stressful. So when I was in LA, I knew that I wanted to move and I wanted to move back to Florida, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I decided because I really liked my college experience. And I think this is also partly because I only had, like I said, two years of that legit college experience instead of the four. And so I I decided that I wanted to get my master's degree in literature. Because again, like I was like, well, I wanted to be an author. I love classic literature. And I like the college environment. I wanted more of that experience. And I just kind of thought to myself, I was like, what if I get a master's degree in classic literature, and then I I can then be a professor at a university. So I was for a while, for almost a whole year, planning on going to get my master's degree and then pursuing a job and a career in higher education. So I applied to a bunch of different schools and I got into all of them. And I I got into the University of Pennsylvania, which was an Ivy League, which was my top choice, but it was going to be $80,000 for one year. So I decided not to bury myself in debt. But then I decided to go to Trinity College in Dublin, Ireland, which is, again, like a very well-known university, has an amazing literature program. Oscar Wilde went there. Yeah. So I went to visit Dublin with my mom the summer before my classes were going to start. And I broke down. I did not like Dublin at all. Ireland itself is very beautiful. And I always tell people if the university was in the middle of the countryside, I feel like I would have wanted to go more. But because it was in Dublin and Dublin was kind of a rainy, cold, depressing, dirty city. There was a lot of homeless people. Unfortunately. Sounds like Eugene, Oregon, where I went to college. <laughs> 
it was like, it was miserable. Like it literally was a miserable vibe. And like, even, even like my, like I went to go meet with like an advisor at the university and then, and I was like, well, where should I live? And he's like, well, if you live across the river, you know, you just got to watch out for petty theft. Like they may jump you and like take your laptop or something. And I was like, what? Like, like no I, thanks. I do not want to get jumped. Thank you. In a foreign no. country. So I, I came back to Miami and I freaked out and I had basically like an existential crisis. And I told my mom, like, I don't, I don't want to go to the school. And my mom was very set on me getting my master's degree. So she did not understand, did not comprehend, but she was supportive. She didn't force me into anything. She knew she couldn't make me go, but you know, she was like, are you sure? Are you sure? I was like, no, like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. So she's like, okay, well, why don't you go to like Florida International University and just stay here locally? And I was like, okay, like I'll do that. And then again, I went and met with an advisor. And when I left, I had this huge feeling. The universe was telling you. The universe was telling me, and I've had instances like this throughout my life, which is very interesting, but I just had the biggest gut feeling that this was not the right move. I had that feeling when I went to Dublin. I had that feeling in Miami. I rented an apartment and then I had to back out. I just had this gut feeling that this was not the right thing for me. So I gave it up and I went down to the Keys, which is where my ex-boyfriend, my boyfriend at the time, he was living there. And he got a job at this digital marketing agency as a project manager. And so I went to his house and I, for like almost a month, just cried every day and went through like a crisis. And I didn't know what I was going to do with my life because for the last year I had been planning to get my master's degree and it turned out that that wasn't going to happen this year. And I didn't even know if that's what I wanted to do anymore. And then one of the ladies that he was working with at that office asked him, about me because she knew that I was going to, you know, go to Dublin. And he was like, yeah, no, she changed her mind. And now she's just kind of looking for a job, like doesn't really know what to do is, you know, having a meltdown. And so she was like, oh, well, does she have any social media experience we need to fill this spot? And so he called me in for an interview. And I I did a phone interview with the boss because like I said, it was a satellite office. So I hadn't even met him in person, but I he interviewed me on the phone and I got the job on the spot. That just... Honestly, like I'm not gonna lie, fell into my lap. <laughs> Sometimes that's how it works. I mean, that's... that's how it works. Yeah. So I did that for almost a year. My relationship was not going well, and I did not like sitting in the office and doing that job. So I quit, and then that's when I decided to go to Bali okay. and get certified to teach yoga. Two questions. First question, not so much a question, but just a moment to touch on this, hear your opinion, just go back and forth on this, because I think it's so important. I feel like so many of us have this moment that you're talking about in your 20s, where you finally start to connect with maybe not that strongly connect to your intuition, but all of a sudden you're like, this doesn't feel right. Like I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And oftentimes I guess they, they probably coined that as the quarter life crisis. And you're like, what am I doing? But I feel like we don't ever talk about it. Like, it's like you go into a job and you're in a job for 10 years and then you like go up and out and you're retired. Like that's the plan. But everyone, not everyone, but I had that. Most people I know have had that one moment where you're like, this is not right. And I got to do something else. Yours, I feel like was a little bit more extreme. Like obviously most people aren't going to a foreign country, but you kind of said this, you said that you like, you had had a couple of moments like that when you were a kid. For me, I feel like I was always told, but for my mom, who's an entrepreneur, like, trust your gut, trust your gut. Like I'd heard it my whole life, but I didn't actually understand what it meant until this moment. But like, did you know 
in that moment was happening? Like, this is like your body and the universe telling you what to do. Like, were you in touch with your intuition enough to understand that? Or was it a new experience for you? That time it was a new experience. And I like, I definitely did not realize that it was like my intuition and that it was just my gut you know, reaction and feeling and that it was eventually for the better that the universe had a different plan for me. So I didn't realize that. And I, at the time thought that it was like the worst thing that could be happening to me is that yeah. I'm having this breakdown and I'm not following through with the plans that I had set in place for myself. And I already knew that I changed course so many times. I felt like I needed to pick something and stick to it. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't getting that stability. So I was freaking out. And that was like, I would say the, the first big time that that's happened with my, into my gut intuition. And then that happened again later on. And then that time, it was a lot more clear to me that no, this is, this is like, this is my intuition. Yeah, it's for a reason that I'm feeling like this. I need to change direction. But the first time, like when I had the meltdown, I thought it was like the worst thing. <laughs> yeah, I think we all do. I mean, if you've been through that, you're like, no, like this is not supposed to be happening. Like I am supposed to be doing this. Why are you putting all these obstacles in the way? Oh, it's the worst. And I feel like it takes a couple of times for you to really get the hang of like, oh, this is actually a really great tool that I can use to follow my path. That being said, second question how did Bali happen? What happened there? You said your relationship was like kind of on the brinks, but why Bali? Were you like, I just need to have this spiritual experience and I want to do yoga or was there something that, that sparked that in you? So that was also kind of just random. Like it was just something that I almost just fell into without even realizing. Apparently this is a theme in my life that <laughs> I'm only now realizing since talking to you, but like I love it. I, I had been doing yoga since college and I love yoga and I was part of a of a yoga studio in the Keys and I was going almost every day. I loved it. And then I realized instead of doing this job, which I don't like and doesn't make me happy, I could just be a yoga instructor and I can do something that I'm passionate about and that I love and still make money and, and have a career and have an income. So I went to the, one of the instructors at the studio and I said, are you guys doing any teacher training, any certifications? And she was like, well, no, the studio doesn't do the, the teacher trainings, but I got certified to teach in Bali, Indonesia, and I think you should do that. And I was like, wow, yeah, like I had never even sure. thought of that. Like, that's amazing. Like, I was just going to look for a studio locally, but then she brought Asia and Asia had always been on my bucket list. I had actually never gone with my mom before. So it was a new thing for me and I was so excited. And yeah, my relationship was falling apart for sure. And it had been for a long time, but it was one of those things where like we lived together. And then at that point we were working together and it was a whole complicated mess, which I'm sure most people can relate to. So it was, it was not good. And so we basically set a date for us to break up, which is just funny, but like agreed, you know, we're going to break up on this day when I leave to go to Bali to do this. And he was going on a trip to Spain with his family. And, and this is so funny. Like I, basically called my mom, who's used to my bullshit at this point. And I was like, listen, I'm going to quit this like really stable, well-paying job. And I'm going to go to Asia to do yoga. And she was like, go I do what it. you need to do. And she was happy because she also didn't like my ex and knew that we needed to to break up. So she was just happy, I guess, that I was getting out of there. So we made it a trip. The two of us wanted to travel, right? So we went from Miami to Iceland. And then from Iceland, we went to Vienna. And then from Vienna, we went to Venice, flew to Romania. We saw family in Romania. And then from Romania, I went solo to Bali and I got certified to teach yoga. And that's actually where I was roommates with Natalie. So that's how I, I met didn't Natalie. ever make that connection. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that's how I know her. We were roommates for the month and I made a lot of amazing friends and it was a very spiritual experience. It was very also like shamanistic. It was a lot of like shamanistic aspects to it. And we did like drum circles and all these like letting go ceremonies. And obviously like what I was letting go of was my old relationship. And like, I learned a lot about manifesting. I didn't know about manifesting. Like I didn't really fully understand what manifesting was until I did this program. I didn't know what it was until I think I've talked about this on the podcast. Like I had a business coach that my mom actually hired for the both of us to figure out our working relationship when we started She Factor. But she was like, oh, have you ever heard of this thing called manifesting? I was like, I don't know what that is. What is that? And then that was literally probably February of last year, like right before COVID hit. And, you know, it's crazy to me how deep into my spiritual journey I've gone since then. But I always thought that I would have to go to Bali to have that experience or that I would have to have an experience like that in order to be spiritual. And it was a really an interesting way to discover that part of myself, obviously during COVID, but it does kind of awaken something with you when you're like, all of a sudden there's this whole other whole nother realm of existence and beliefs and stuff that I had no idea about. For me, at least that's how it was. I don't know if you were ever raised in that, but I was, I didn't know anything about any of it. Exactly the same. I didn't know anything about any of it. And it changed my life completely. It changed everything. Like learning to manifest, learning more about just spirituality in general, I think really changed my entire life. And after I did the yoga program, that was a month. Again, life just pushed me in this direction. Like I was planning to travel by myself for a while. And so I didn't I didn't have a, a plane ticket home. It was open-ended and wow. I wanted to travel. And I was like, okay, well, after the yoga program, I'm going to go to this one city in Bali called Ubud. And then some of the girlfriends that I had made on the trip, Natalie included, they were all like, hey, like, you know, we're actually going to go to this other city called Chenggu. You know, you should come and like we can room together and we can just like hang out. And I was like, okay, yeah, like I'll, I'll do that instead. So I changed my plans and I went to Chenggu and I was there three days. It was three days after my yoga program ended. And after dinner one night, my girlfriends and I, it was four of us, my girlfriends and I all held hands and we, we took turns manifesting. And then we all like would repeat the manifestations for each other out loud. So it was like a group manifestation session. And obviously I manifested my ideal partner Mm. and we got as specific as we could about it. And I wanted him to be foreign and I wanted him to be blonde because I had never dated a blonde person. I wanted him to be an only child like me because I had never dated an only child. And obviously, you know, good looking, handsome, kind, loving, all you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then 30 minutes after that, we went to a bar and that's where I met Brandon, who is my Whoa. current husband. <laughs> wow, yes. that is crazy. I was. It's, a, mm-hmm. it's funny because I was going to say that was my first experience with manifesting too, was in the She Factor book that my mom wrote. One of the activities, like we break down by spheres and flame is one of the spheres. And she has you make a list. Like she dated a lot when I was a kid. So I watched her go through the trials and tribulations of dating. Her and my dad got divorced when I was two. So very similar. And I didn't know that was manifesting when I was making this list of my dream partner, but she always jokes, don't forget anything because they'll have it. And uh, we always make fun of my stepdad because there was a couple of things that she left off and he totally embodies all those things. But when you use this lingo and like the manifestation, like the woo woo realm, when you're not a part of it, it seems so intimidating, but you're 
probably most likely doing it in different ways. You just don't know it. And I feel like most of us in our 20s or most for me, most people that I know, that's kind of their first experience of manifesting is like, I'm going to make a list of my dream partner and what qualities and traits and attributes I want them to have. Right. Yeah. And that was one of the first things I ever manifested because it was right after the program is right after we like had learned about it and we had done it a couple times. I think, you know, what do you want to manifest? And obviously I was fresh out of my old relationship and it was not good. And I wanted to move on and and whatever, get a, mm-hmm. get a better boyfriend. And obviously like, as I was manifesting, I, I even thought I, it was also that feeling of like, I let go the need of like Surrender. wanting a partner at that moment in time. Like I f- was manifesting with the thought and with the intention that like this guy was going to come maybe to me like two, three years down the line, you know, I'm going to go, you know, live my life and, and, and focus on my career and focus on me. And then at the right time, he's going to pop into my life. And instead he came into my life 30 minutes later, which was so crazy. When did you realize that your manifestation had come true? Like that probably doesn't happen to most of us. I mean, if I've learned anything last year, it's that when you manifest something, you just let go of the timeline and let the universe do their thing because you just, you can't have control over it. And even like me moving to Denver and this apartment that I live in with Melissa, who lives underneath me, who's been on my podcast. Like I met her a year ago today and now I'm neighbors with her, which I, in some weird way manifested. And to see that come true, I was like, wow, that that's crazy. But that happened quickly. And it was like, what are your first experiences? So like, when did you realize this was like, this was happening for you? So definitely not at first, right? Because this town, like if for those of you who don't know, like this little town in, in Bali, Changu is full of expats and it's full of tourists and like a lot of young people our age coming from Australia, South Africa, all over Europe, all over America. So I had, and I had already been there three days. So I had gotten hit on repeatedly every single day that I was there. So after that experience, I was like, mm And so Brandon and his best friend came up to I was talking to one of my other girlfriends. It was just the two of us. So he and his friend came up to the two of us. And his first line, the first thing he said to me was, what country is producing all the beautiful women? And we were both like, America, like, so (laughs) we were rolling our eyes. And we were just like, yeah. And we were like, okay, like, where are you from? And they were like, we're from South Africa. And we were like, okay, like, that's cool. You know, trying to be nice. But Mm -hmm. then We started talking to them and we realized they were a lot more chill than the rest of the guys. They weren't like so hectic and they were respectful and we could have a conversation. So then I told Brandon, I was like, oh, like, I think it's so cool. You're from Africa. Like, I love animals. I'm a huge animal lover. I mean, I've been to Egypt, but I really want to go to safari in Kenya. And he picked up on that really quick. So he obviously started telling me all of these crazy stories of him and the animals in Africa. You know, I told him my favorite animals are birds. And he was like, oh, there's this family of ospreys that lives like right in my backyard. And I watch them all the time. And like, I have such weird encounters with owls and whatever. He was spitting game. Yeah. And like, you hit a soft spot for him. He was like, I'm going to run with this. <laughs> yeah. And, and he, and then he, he and his friend, are, they were both very attractive. And I looked at them and like, I've told Brandon this, so he knows. And it's no, you know, no offense now, but like, I looked at both of them and I was like, you know what? If I had to pick, I'm going to pick the blonde guy because I manifested Like, I'm not going to date any more brunettes. Like, that was clearly my type. Now I'm going to, like, pick this blonde guy. And he, you know, he was foreign. But I definitely did not at the time think, oh, this is my manifestation coming coming true. Yeah. I just thought, like, whatever, this is a guy that's hitting on me. And then I ended up really liking him. The next day we saw each other again. And I then started thinking, I was like, ooh, this is 
perfect, right? Like I'm fresh out of this, you know, previous relationship and I'm going to have this amazing summer fling with this really hot foreign guy and I'm going to go home. and Bali, like. Exactly. I was like, I'm, it's going to be like an eat, pray, love and I'm going to go home and I'm going to tell all my girlfriends that, you know, this guy was amazing and like, I don't even remember his name, but we had the most magical time in Asia. Yeah. That was my, my mindset the whole time. And that's kind of what ended up happening. I left, I went to Singapore a few days later and we kept in touch and he kept texting me and telling me that I should come back to Bali and keep hanging out with them. And I, like I said, I had no plans to go back home. So I decided, you know, why not? There was still a lot of Bali that I didn't get to see. So I did basically like a visa run. So I left for a week and I came back. Mm -hmm. And then I spent about two weeks in Bali hanging out with him and his friends. And then they had to do a visa run. So he was like, well, do you want to come to Thailand with me and my friends? And I was like, why not? Like, I mean, you're in that mindset. I feel like when you're in that environment, I mean, I haven't done that. I've always wanted to. I've always wanted kind of that on the fly experience. But even when I was studying abroad in London, we literally looked at a map and we like, landed a dot and we we're like, we're going to Croatia. Let's do it. Like that's where we landed and we did it. And when you're in that, that space, it's like, yeah, you just have the freedom and the flexibility. And you're like, when else am I ever going to have this opportunity to do this in my life? Exactly. I just jumped on that opportunity. And to quickly mention, I also studied abroad in London. So twins again. Weird. <laughs> did you do journalism there? Yep. Oh my gosh. What is happening right now? Anyway. Wow. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, I definitely just jumped on the opportunity and at this point trusted him enough to be like, this guy's not going to murder yeah. me or anything like that. It's safer to go with a guy than to travel by yourself as a female. So we went and then his two friends that we went with ended up leaving early. So it was just him and I and we traveled around Thailand for a month. Wow. And then we went to Malaysia and then we went back to Bali and we did these islands in Bali, the Nusa Penida Islands. And we did that together. And then we wanted to keep traveling, but the weather was bad and he needed a visa to go everywhere. And so at one point he was like, well, do you want to come to South Africa with me and I'll show you around? To me, like I was like, well, of course I do, because I've been wanting to go to South Africa. I've been wanting to go to Africa in general. And, you know, what better way to go than with a local? It's an opportunity to stay for free and yeah. to have somebody show me around. So when we went to South Africa and then I ended up meeting his mom and I ended up meeting his extended family, I think he kind of changed and it, our dynamic changed. And it went from like this kind of just summer fling to something a lot more serious. Yeah. And I always let him kind of lead the way in what he wanted to do. So he was the one that, in, you know, asked me to come back to Bali. He invited me to travel with him. He was the first one that kind of called me his girlfriend. I was like, this is going to be whatever you want it to be. I, you know, I'm just going to go with the flow. So then we went to South Africa and I could really see that he started to kind of, I don't know, just like embrace. You just start to like see your future with that person when you see somebody with your family and you're with them that often, I'm sure. Yes, exactly. That's exactly it. And like, he just became like so much, not that he wasn't sweet, but just like way, it was sweet to see him with his family. And then he was, it almost felt like he was like, kind of like, like showcasing me. Like he was like love it. parading me around. He was like, this is the American that I met in Bali, you know, and he was so excited to introduce me to all his friends and all of his family. So that was really nice. And then that's when I kind of started falling, like seriously falling in love with him. And it turned into like more of like a serious thing. And then after a month of being in South Africa, I brought him to Romania. And so he met all of my extended family. And then I think that's the point where I was like, okay, like maybe this is going to be 
something more serious. Mm -hmm. And then that's when I was like, hmm, like I can see that this is kind of like what I'm manifesting for myself, you know? Yeah. Wow. That is such a crazy story. I love it. I just feel like it's a story that you will never, ever, ever forget no matter what. Like even hearing it, you're like, oh, remember that one girl I heard on a podcast who, you know, met her boyfriend in Bali and traveled and then now they live together in a van. (laughs) Yeah, basically. That's basically what it was. How long were you gone? (laughs) I was gone for a whole year. Wow. Yeah. So we, we did a lot of traveling together. I was teaching yoga and learning to surf and just kind of like living, living your life. life. <laughs> yeah. And then they kicked me out and they were like, you have to leave. And so I had to go back to clarification um, for everyone listening. You mean your visa, right? <laughs> my visa, yes. Not yes. his family. <laughs> Not his family. No, his family was devastated to hear I had to leave. His mom is a sweetheart. I love her. So he, and that was another thing, like, like him being an only child and me being an only child, we really were a lot more compatible than my exes that it's because it's just a different dynamic, I think, yeah. with your parents when you're an only child versus when you have siblings. So that helped a lot. And I really loved his mom. And I, I hadn't really had that connection with any any of my ex's moms before. Yeah, my visa expired. I had to go back. So I went back to Miami and he was waiting for his United States visa to come in, but he had to wait like a little bit longer. So we did long distance for about a month and a half. And it was the worst thing ever. And we almost broke up. Yeah, Uh, it's tough. Especially from different countries, like different time zones, completely like Mm -hmm. your opposite. Yeah, no, it was really bad. And like, he just wasn't that great at communicating during that time. He only ever had one girlfriend before me, like a serious relationship. I don't think he really knew you know, the dynamic of having a girlfriend, especially not long distance, like to that extent where you're on another continent and like there's a huge time difference. So I don't think he, he didn't really understand that we needed to like communicate for this to work. (laughs) So it was just, it was a mess. Typical boy. (laughs) He ended up coming and it was fine. (laughs) So where you're at now compared to then, like what is the time frame? When did he come into the U.S.? And how much time has passed? And when did you guys decide to just live in a van? So I met him in July of 2018. And then he came to the States the next year. So it was basically June of 2019. Then to continue the story, I got back to the States. And I don't know why, but I just thought that I needed to get another job. And that was the stupidest thing that I could have ever done because the whole point was that I quit my normal job to go get certified to teach yoga. And I came back and I feel like like it was definitely the hustle culture, looking at my friends that were starting to get serious jobs. My mom was also kind of worried that I wouldn't be able to make enough money just teaching yoga. So she was like, you need to supplement that with a job. So I just went and I got another job. And... I was in that job for three months and then I quit and I was like, this is so silly. Like, why did I come back into the same routine, into this environment that I had to travel halfway around the world to get away from, you know? So it wasn't until January of 2020 when I, like I told you, I had that kind of second wave of like the gut feeling and the intuition of this is not right for me. And I cannot stand this for another second. And I expressed that to Brandon and to my mom. And both of them were very like, had a very old school mindset. And they both discouraged me from doing that. And I have to say, and I'm going to give her 100% credit. 
Natalie came and stayed with us for like two weeks, I think, in December. And she really was the one to actually not just encourage me to, but to show me that that's not the way that you need to do it. Like she came in as this voice from the heavens <laughs> telling, yes. like that was contradicting what I was hearing because I was only talking to Brandon and my mom and they were saying the same thing. So I was getting discouraged. And then Natalie came in and was like, no, I don't think that you should do that. I think that you can go and you can make this your full-time job right now. You don't have to wait until you're 30 or until whatever mark in your head mm-hmm. is like the right time. Like now is the right time and you should do it. And like, I'm doing it. And like, if I can do it, you can do it. Kind Everyone of needs a Natalie in their life, honestly. hundred percent. And if, and if, if don't people have- don't know who Natalie is, I can't remember what number it is, but she's been on the podcast before. Everything is possible. Go look it up. She was also part of She Cares, our, our self-care wellness summit last year. Her handles, Natalie knows. I'll tag all of her stuff in, in the show notes too, because I love her. She's great. In being in her coaching program, I was really hesitant to join it. And I was like, well, I, I'm not a new business. I've been in business for two years. Like, is it going to, am I going to need a lot of things you're teaching? She's like, Tori, it's just surrounding yourself with the right people. Being surrounded by the people that will lift you up and encourage you to do the things that you have been doubting is the key here. Like that is the secret to all of this. It's not relearning all the things, but ironically enough, relearning all the things has really been magical for me too. So it's, yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. And she was definitely at that point in time, you know, 2019 to 2020, she was exactly that, like what I needed in my life to like hear, to encourage me that I can do it. And so in in January, I quit my job and I started my own business, which is Musto Media Marketing. And I started doing the social media management and the content creation. Brandon stepped in as a photographer and videographer. So that's how I started. And, And then I started teaching yoga which is what I had wanted to do. So I started teaching yoga at the hotels and I was doing this on the side. And between those two, like between starting my own business and going off and teaching yoga, I had made more money in February than I had in January at my full-time job. It was the biggest sign of like, I'm doing the right thing. But then obviously COVID happened and then that kind of put a damper on everything. But it didn't discourage me. And I feel like it would have discouraged a lot of people because it is hard to start a business during a global pandemic. (laughs) Now it's 2021. So it was just earlier this year in April that we left on our van trip. We bought our van in September of last year. So we had always talked about doing van life even from the moment we met. And I think quarantine gave us that time of like, let's make this a reality, you know, and we had enough time to look into it. And we had enough time to actually start looking for vans to buy and, you know, kind of doing our research and homework about it. And then in September, we just found the perfect van and we bought it and we started working on it. Wow. That is, that is so cool. Just the progression of it, how quickly it happened for you. I mean, the fact that this whole journey, like even with Brandon started in 2018 and here you are doing everything that you're doing now. I think as entrepreneurs too, there's a lot of work that we have to do on ourselves in order to, you know, be present in other areas of our life and also this. And like, obviously you were doing the yoga before too. How did Brandon fit into that journey? Like, was he also spiritual at all? Like, how was that for you adjusting to him, adjusting to be an entrepreneur, adjusting to having this boyfriend move to the US and be with you? Like, what was that transitional phase for you? It was interesting because I think... Although he wanted to come to the States, I think he was hesitant about moving here, which I don't blame him because 
He had never been to the States. He has lived his whole life in South Africa. He had not really done much traveling. The majority of his traveling was with me. So, you know, he was hesitant. And he, like I said, in South Africa, I guess, grew up with a very old school mentality of like, you need to get a job and you need to like just climb the corporate ladder and you need to, you know, do this and do that. And there's a certain way of doing it. And so good to know it's not just here, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely not. Like I think they're way more, way more old school and conventional in South Africa than they are here. You know, entrepreneurship is not the same thing. Yeah, so true. I feel like that's the same globally in a way. We have a lot more opportunities here to do that than most people do. Way more. So first of all, he was hesitant to come to the States and I kind of encouraged, but like, to be honest, like almost pushed him. Because I, again, like I had this gut intuition that like this was the right thing. And he came here and obviously he loved it. And then again, like I wanted to make this leap to be a full-time entrepreneur. And he was not really supportive of that at first. Not that he wasn't supportive, but I think he he was just worried. And again, like he was this old school mindset of saying that it should be a side hustle first before I dive in and and do it. And and I kept telling him, I mean, like if, if now, why would I wait to pursue this full time in a few years from now when maybe I have more responsibilities, maybe I have more bills to pay. We might have a mortgage and we might have all of these other bills versus now where I really have kind of minimum responsibility. I don't have that much on my plate. You know, I feel like now is the time to do it. And if I mess up, you know, I can start from scratch easier than if I were to do it 10 years down the line. Yeah. So that was, an, you know, kind of getting him adjusted. He was also not very spiritual. So when I came in talking about astrology, he basically shut me down and said, that's all BS. And then I was like, okay, well, like, let's pull up your CoStar app and like, let's pull up your birth chart and let's see. And I like read him a couple of these things and he was blown away. He like couldn't believe how accurate it was. So he met Natalie and then Natalie is very spiritual. Mm-hmm. So we're the two of us were like kind of hanging around the house for two weeks talking about, you know, burning sage and manifesting in spirituality. And he like kind of just fell into it. And he was like, okay, like I, like I get it. I'm with it. And then again, like with human design and I got a reading from this amazing woman named Graciela. And I have she, an like, energy healing session with her next week. I'm super excited. Yeah, it's amazing. So she she did my reading and I was blown away, blown away by what she did. So I loved it so much. I actually paid to have Brandon do a reading. And at first, again, you know, at first he was so skeptical and he was like, whatever, you know, do I really have to do this? And I'm like, yeah, just sit there for one hour and let her just talk to you. Yeah. So I, and he did it. And then after that, again, he was blown away and he couldn't believe everything he had heard from her. And, and so I think he's always kind of followed me, but at first he's always skeptical. Mm-hmm. And like, even with the van, even though we wanted to do van life, he had this other job. And again, it was like a legit job and he was really scared to quit his job. And I had to be the one to yet again, kind of convince him and show him that like, it's okay. Like you don't need that job. Like you can pursue photography and videography full time and we can go on the road and we can be full-time entrepreneurs. You know, you don't have to like have this crutch all the time. And he was again, really reluctant, scared to do it. And then we did it. And he had to like, kind of experience it for himself to be like, Oh, okay. Like I see, like it's working out. Everything is fine. We're making money. You know, because at first he's he's reluctant. I think generally speaking, probably most people would be, especially coming from a different country. But for me, and I'm this might be similar for you, being raised by an entrepreneur, like it was always just second nature to me. I'm like, what do you mean you can't start your own business? Like I can do anything. Like nothing's holding me back because I'm a female. Like, what do you mean I'm not gonna get a promotion? Like that's not a thing in my world because I was raised mm-hmm. by a mom who just 
did it all and like made it possible for herself. And I think that I forget sometimes that other people aren't, (laughs) other people aren't raised that way. That's true. So to kind of wrap things up, what are you taking right now into your future that has transformed your life that happened in your twenties? So many different things. I feel like it's a, it's a mix of like, I had to go do the things that were not meant for me to learn that those things were not meant for me. And then pursue this other path. And like I had heartbreak and I had a couple different meltdowns. And I feel like that although those were really uncomfortable and at the time I thought that this, you know, why is this happening to me? Like this is the worst thing ever. Looking back at it, I'm so grateful for those things because that's what really pointed me in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Learning to trust my intuition, which is strong and it's there to tell me things, you know, it's there to guide me and before I was ignoring it, but now I learned to tap into it and to kind of like fall into myself and analyze things and see like what feels right. It's not just like what you think should happen because you can think this is what I want to do or this is what I, I need. And then you get the feeling that it's not, that's not actually what it is. And like to not push what you think needs to happen in your life and to actually just listen to how it feels. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, your happiness, in my opinion, like my happiness is the most important thing. Because what's the point of being alive if you're not going to at least enjoy your life? I was not put on this planet to just go make money to buy this house that I'm never in because I'm always at work and then to die. Like that's not what I was put on to do. That is literally like in a nutshell, like what they tell you you should do. And you're so right. Like, oh, I'm going to spend $500,000 on this house that I'm never going to be in. And then, you know, I'm going to have kids and I'm going to have to quit my job. And then I'm not even doing what I'm passionate about. And then like you get lost in that. It's like, it doesn't even work. Like, why is that society's plan? I have no freaking clue, but. (laughs) It's like you get a little bit of freedom when you're young and then you have to surrender and give up everything that you wanted and and like who you are to then go fit into this like model role that society has created for you and to go do this. And then again, like even with having kids, like a lot of the time people lose their like sense of self in having kids and raising a family. They get so caught up in the role of the mom and the role of the caretaker and the role of like whatever, this corporate person that they forget who they are in essence. And like, I don't want to live a long life of this kind of repetitive misery. (laughs) I'd rather, even if it's shorter or whatever, like enjoy my life. Because as far as I know, I only have one, right? right? And like, I might be wrong. You never know. But to my knowledge, it's I only have one life and I'm gonna try to make the most of it, you know? And I'm gonna like pursue all these different things. And like, now's the, if not now, when, you know, and that's what I tell, that's what I tell my clients. That's what I tell my friends, everyone. Like if you're thinking of doing something, do it right now. And I don't care if you're in your twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, now is the right time for absolutely everything and anything. Cause if not now, when, cause you never know when your time on this planet is over, it's not guaranteed. And that's another like big thing that I live by is that I've had family members pass away way before their time, you know, in their 40s, in their early 50s. So like, I'm not going to waste a moment of my time. I'm going to do everything I want to do. Yeah. I mean, that's how my mom's story started in the first place was her first husband passed away in a plane crash at 27. Actually, he was 25. She was 27. And like, I think that set the tone for the whole entire rest of our lives was you 
we're brought onto this earth to serve a purpose and to be happy. Like you were literally brought onto this earth to live in happiness and joy and to follow whatever makes that butterfly feeling in your stomach light up. And, Mm -hmm. and then we're taught to shut it away so quickly. So I love that if not now, when mentality, because it it is so important. And even in our twenties, I feel like we feel so invincible. You feel like you have so much life to live. And so like, you're going to waste it, like drinking, going to the bars and like dating these guys that really suck or experimenting with this and that, but all eventually leads you to the same place. So you might as well find it sooner rather than later. Yeah. And I encourage everybody definitely in your twenties and not just in your twenties, I think in life, like don't be scared to change direction and change course a million times because that's what I did. Like I changed my mind and I changed the direction of my life a million times over. And I don't think that's going to stop now. Like, I don't think it's just going to suddenly stay stagnant. Like I'm already talking with Brandon about starting another business and we want to invest in real estate and property. We want to start a vacation rental business. So like, wow, we all of these different plans and it's going to take us and it has nothing to do with social media. It has nothing to do with that. But like, we want to try to do all of these things because I wish I could live a million different lives and like experience a million different things. So I'm going to make the most out of the one life that I'm given and change direction a million times. Cause I know like at the end of the day, it's going to be okay. Like I manifest and it's going to be fine. And like, it's proven to me time and time and again, that like, even if I don't get what I wanted or what I thought I wanted, if it's not that it's definitely something better when you're in that frequency and in that, I think just simply put for the people that aren't even spiritual, it's like just being in a state of mind of saying, okay, like I got this, this is me. This is what I'm supposed to do. And it's going to happen for me. No matter what I do, the world is going to support me. God is going to support me. The universe is going to support me, whatever it is for you. But I love that. And I love that your story perfectly embodies this week that we're in right now too, with the lion's gate is all about opening up your heart, like letting yourself be authentically you and dream the big, crazy things and ask the universe for them to happen. I feel like that's literally what you did. Like you were like, this is what I want and I'm going to do it. And then it literally has happened for you so quickly. So a great example of what what can happen when you just trust your intuition, like know who you are, know what you want, and you just put it in action. So I love it. Trust your intuition, trust the universe that it's always conspiring towards your greatest good. And just go with the flow. Don't be stagnant. Don't be don't be scared of change. Go with the flow. Have faith that everything is going to work out and manifest. Just yeah. manifest what you want and the universe will work to make it happen for you yep. one way or another. And if it doesn't, then like that was not meant for you something else is meant for you. I think the number one thing that you can learn to do in your 20s, woo-woo as it is, like I think we've attached manifestation to the spiritual world. And yes, it is spiritual. But at the same time, it literally is just putting the intention of what you want out to the world and then making it happen. And that's what it is. It's just like committing to your plan, to your goal, and like knowing that that's what is in alignment with who you are. So I think the number one thing I've been telling people lately is like, let go of the spiritual, let go of all of it. Don't think of it like that. If it, if it doesn't resonate with you, just think of it as these normal things. Meditation, literally just breathing and sitting with yourself. Manifestation, just asking the universe for what you want and making it happen. Like it, it's, it's so great. simple. Any last pieces? We've covered a lot of ground, but if you have any last bits of advice or things that you would say to your 20-year-old self or to all the 20-somethings out there, what would it be? And then also, where can people find you and engage with you and follow your van life? 
So one piece of advice is just don't be afraid of change. Trust your intuition. Don't be scared of change. Do all the different things because at the end of the day, it's going to work out for you. And if it doesn't, it's fine. Like it doesn't Who matter. Cares? <laughs> it's Literally fine. only you care. You only care about yourself. Like no one else like, cares. You will die at some point. So make it worth it. And you guys can find me on Instagram at Emma Musto, Emma two underscores Musto. And then that's where I'm doing, I'm posting all of the van life. That's where I post about my like social media services. I do social media coaching and social media management. Our website is mustomm.com. And that's the two main places you can find me. And I'm always open to connect with everybody. I love making community. I love it. Thank you so much for just coming on and being so vulnerable and open to sharing your story. This was a great way to kick off kind of this new phase and chapter of the podcast. So I just, I'm so grateful that you reached out, that we connected. I mean, who knew that our lives were so freaking similar as well? Crazy. Yeah. Crazy story, but I love that. That's how life works. It is. And I feel like in your 20s, like that's what happens too, is you realize how much your life is so similar to so many other people out there. And like, we're all going through everything together, but we just don't talk about it. So thanks for talking about it. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. So fun. Thanks, Emma. Hey girl, thank you so much for listening to the She Factor podcast. Everything we do here at She Factor is for you to unite, excite, and cheer each other on as we create a life we love together. We'd love for you to rate, review, and share the podcast if this helped you in any way on your journey to She. And you can DM or email us a screenshot of your review for a special treat from Team She. Looking for more than your weekly dose of She Factor? Find us on social media at The She Factor or head to our website, thesheefactor.com to keep up with all the latest trends on our blog, subscribe to our daily She newsletter, RSVP to our next virtual event, and join our She membership for an all-access pass to your virtual girl gang. Follow me at Torreganall for a behind-the-scenes look at all things She and slide into my DMs to share how I can support you on your journey. See you next week.